Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But as we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, forgives our sins and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Let us then confess our sins unto God our Father. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his only Son to die for you and for his sake forgives you all of your sins. As a called and ordained servant of the word, I therefore forgive you your sin in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures for ever. I will give thanks to the Lord with my of God and for the unity of all, 
Let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Glory to God in the highest, and peace to his people on earth. Lord God, heavenly King, almighty God and Father, we worship you, we give you thanks, we praise you for your glory, Lord Jesus Christ, only Son of the Father. Lord God, Lamb of God, you who take away the sin of the world, have mercy on us. You are seated at the right hand of the Father. Receive our prayer, for you, our Lord, are the Holy One. You the Lord. Almighty God, whom to know is everlasting life, grant us to know your Son, Jesus, to be the way, the truth, and the life, that we may steadfastly follow his steps in the way that leads to life eternal, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Scripture readings for this, the 11th Sunday after Pentecost, the Old Testament lesson from the ninth chapter of Proverbs, verses 1 through 10. Wisdom has built her house, and she has hewn her seven pillars, and she has slaughtered her beasts, and she has mixed her wine, and she has also set her table. She has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in the town, whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, Come, eat of my bread, and drink of the wine that I have mixed. Leave your simple ways, and live and walk in the way of insight. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse, and he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer, or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. Give wisdom to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
forgive your sins, for those who fear him lack nothing. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. The second reading, the epistle lesson from the fifth chapter of Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not associate with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. And therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We continue with the singing of the hymn of response.
and in respect of Christ, of whom the Holy Gospel is read. Alleluia, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Alleluia, Alleluia. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the sixth chapter. And Jesus said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? And so Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up in the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not as the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, Do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life, the flesh is of no avail. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. And so Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter answered and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. We confess our holy Christian faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, Light of light, very God of very God, begotten not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. 
and the third day he rose again, according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.
grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This morning we consider St. John's words from the sixth chapter, our gospel reading. Select verses, these verses. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. And John goes on to write that when many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? And after this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. And so Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? And Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. So far, our text. Dear friends in our Lord Jesus, the truth. It's been known to make grown men cry. It can make parents pleased to hear it. Or... It can make their hearts and, and make their heads ache to hear it. It can make children in the principal's office squirm a bit. It can make doctors' patients unnerved. And at the same time, it can also make them elated to hear it. It can make the criminally accused cringe, or it can totally exonerate them. It can be hard to handle. Sometimes it's even stranger than fiction. It can hurt truth. Truth be told, when the truth is told, there always are consequences to it. The truth has its consequences. An offense taken, that's a frequent consequence of speaking the plain truth. Those who hear it, they're offended by it. That's what we heard today. In our texts, Jesus told the truth about himself. Many didn't like what they heard. Firstly, note this well. In speaking the truth of himself, Jesus, it's evident that Jesus wasn't interested in presenting something other than who he plainly and truly was. It's evident that he wasn't interested in marketing strategies that put a finger to the wind of public opinion. No trial balloons by Jesus, no focus groups to determine how he'd best and most effectively market himself to these particular synagogue-goers and this particular demographic of Capernaum. No initial facade, if you will, behind which to, to hide the real Jesus, and, and only after a time would he show his real, his more controversial self. Don't you think he knew that what he had to say would bring more often than peace, would bring a sword? Jesus was direct in what he said, he was unambiguous. He was frank in speaking of himself. The way we like our doctors to deliver the medical truth to us. The way we like our politicians to speak straightforwardly. Jesus spoke the candid truth. As his church in every age is bound to do. And many hearers took offense. As hearers of every age will. Many took offense at Jesus, and many still do, because, first of all, he claims absolute exclusivity. He's the one and he's the only. He said it so many times in our text today. Consider, he said, I am the living bread. And with that definite article, the word the, he excludes everything else. He says, I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. He said, if anyone eats of this bread, he'll live forever. 
He said, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. In fact, Jesus leaves himself so clear that there's nothing at all that he's left to the imagination. Remember, he said, unless, unless one eats the flesh of the Son of Man and drinks his blood, he has no life in him. That's candid. That's candid. It's like the doctor who couldn't be more plain in saying, look, friend, unless you take this antibiotic or unless you have this surgery, friend, you're not going to live. Jesus singles himself out as from all others as the only source of life. And that, friend, is not tolerated in a pluralistic society like ours. Jesus, Jesus can be a way among many other ways but if he claims to be the only way, great offense is going to follow. A truth. The world would gladly permit him to be a truth, but not the truth. Not the only truth, not the life. And friends, we're never stronger when we'd mingle with the names of idols and false gods, the only name, Jesus' name, given under heaven by which we must be saved. Jesus' exclusivity. It's the truth. And it has its consequences. Many take offense, too, because when he speaks the candid truth, it can be hard for our ears to hear it. So John reports that having heard the candid truth that Jesus spoke about himself, many, John writes, of Jesus' own disciples said, this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? It's a hard saying, John writes, that they said scleros. The word from which we get sclerosis, hardening, arteriosclerosis, the hardening of the arteries. It's a hard saying, they said. In other words, it's not soft on the ears. Jesus, the one and only life through eating and drinking his flesh and blood. And not only is that hard for our naturally sinful ears to hear, but how many of us find it soft and easy on our ears to hear what Jesus has to say about us and how we are, how we'd be without him. Consider in the text what he says about that. He says the spirit gives life. Literally, he says the spirit is the life worker, the quickener. In other words, he's saying, he's telling you and me that apart from the spirit's work, we're dead in sin. That's the truth. By nature, we're DOA. Dead on arrival, D-A-C maybe, dead at conception. That's what the psalmist says, dead in our sin. And that's a hard saying, but it's the truth. And we've got to hear it. Or consider this other saying Jesus has today, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, eating, in the, eating and drinking in faith as all Christians, young and old, do. But it also entails... In time, inevitably, the eating and drinking of his flesh and blood in the Holy Supper, sacramentally. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, he says, you have no life in you. Not soft on our natural born ears, but it's the truth. Hard sayings, scleros, hard sayings. Not easy on naturally born ears, naturally itching ears. Ears that want to hear a less offensive chord struck, not only for our own listening pleasure, but because we'd imagine it more inviting, a more inviting tenor. 
or any others, visitors happen to be listening in, but friends, if the doctor never delivers the hard diagnosis, who's ever going to long for or appreciate the treatment? If ears never hear the hard truth of their sin and and the eternally deadly consequences of remaining in it, why would ears ever bother to listen to or appreciate their Savior from it? In every age, the candid truth of Jesus Christ has its consequences, and sadly, every age sees the same reaction to it. John writes, And from this time, many of Jesus' disciples turned back, and they no longer walked with him. Were some pulled away by the, the sway of shifting public opinion? Perhaps. Did some of his disciples find it simply easier to go with the flow instead of swimming upstream, like confessing Christians always must? Could be. Did some, do some still, no longer walk with him because they judge him no longer supremely relevant to their lives? Yes. And what the twelve must have thought, right? As there they watched before their very eyes, Jesus' successful ministry and the numbers shrinking by the minute. Consequences of speaking the truth. Beholding the consequences of speaking the truth, the question then comes to you as it came to them. Do you want to go away as well? Do you want to go away as well? The question's unavoidable. It's unavoidable for every Christian. It's like the the angel of the Lord, remember in the Old Testament? The angel of the Lord standing impassable on that narrow pathway. And so that Balaam and his donkey couldn't get by him, couldn't get by to the right, couldn't get by to the left. There he stood, impassable. You can't sidestep this question. No matter who you are, you can't sidestep this question. Every Christian must consider, do you want to go away as well? When the truth of Jesus, a stumbling block to some, as Scripture says, foolishness to others, yields the consequences that it will, do you want to go away too? To the unavoidable question, Peter, in our text, instinctively, And I say instinctively, confesses with his lips what he was first enabled by Christ's words and the Spirit's work to believe in his heart. And to know in his mind. And and so instinctively he says, Lord, to whom else shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. A beautiful confession of Christ. And the life-quickening character of his word. It's no wonder then, is it, that, that, that the same phrase appears in our liturgy where? You, you know where. We sang it this morning right before the reading of the gospel words of Christ. Still life-quickening words. Still words of eternal life. Beautiful confession. But don't hail Peter for it. Don't hail Peter for these words. Rather, it's more a testament to Christ's words and what they work in a man. Remember what Jesus said, my words are spirit, they're life. Jesus' words of himself work that belief in the heart of Peter and the twelve, and you and me. 
and enable our tongues to confess what he's brought our hearts to believe. And what are Jesus' words of himself? Words that we've been hearing for the last weeks in the gospel reading, words that we frankly hear every single Sunday. That he came down from heaven, the eternal Son of God, enfleshed to give himself over to the death that our sins truly and verily deserve. When he gave and shed his flesh and his blood on the cross for the life of the world. And like all truth, that truth too has its consequences. But I'll let scripture report the consequences of Christ's work for you. Scripture says he was delivered up for our transgressions and raised the consequence for our justification. The truth, God was in Christ, Christ alone, reconciling the world unto himself with the consequence that he no longer counts our trespasses against us. The truth, he bore our sins in his own body, his flesh, his blood on the tree, Peter writes, with the consequences that we through baptism, having then died to sin, might live unto righteousness by his stripes. Consequence, you're healed. The truth, scripture says that the Son of Man was lifted up, that whoever believes in him shall have eternal life. How sweet the words of truth breathed from the lips of love. So said Scottish poet James Beatty. Beautifully put, beautifully fitting here too. And the truth is, to whom else would we go? Who else has done for us what Christ has done for us? One once put it rather this way, kind of painted a picture of it with his words. He said, a man fell into a deep pit, a miry and a slippery pit. As he lay hopelessly dying there at the bottom of that pit, philosophy came by and looked in and said to him, my friend, I'm sorry for you. And then philosophy told him, if you ever get out of that place, take care that you never fall into it again. Well, that was no help. And then self-help came along and peered into the pit and said to the man there, the man lying there with two broken arms and broken legs. He said to him, self-help said to the man, well, I grieve your plight. If you can manage to pull yourself up two-thirds, even halfway, I'm sure someone else would help you with the rest. But in the man's condition, that was it's mockery. And then Christ Jesus came along. And descending into the pit, he lifted the man, put him on his back, the dying man, and he lifted him out to safety and to life. To whom else would we go? Note well, I won't make much mention of it here this morning, but note well too that Jesus ties himself, salvation, to his word. Isn't that what Peter said? You have the words of eternal life. Eternal life is going to be found where his word is found. So don't disconnect yourself from that. Don't walk away from that. The message of Christ and his cross will seem foolishness to some. A stumbling block to others. But to those being saved, that is all who believe on Christ crucified, it alone is the power of God unto salvation. So don't walk away from that. 
One last point to consider today. On that day in Capernaum, Jesus put it very candidly to the twelve. He said, do you want to go away as well? And then our attention always, we shift it to Peter. We focus on, with bated breath on his reaction. We know what's coming. But today, for a moment, keep your attention on Christ. And consider, why did he put it to Peter and the others that way? Was it not because he was preparing them? Was it not because he knew well that that very question, do you want to go away as well, would be put to Peter and the others and to you every single day for the rest of your life? Was it not because he knew that courtyard campfires would be in their future? And ours, courtyard campfire conversations around which Christ-like dialect would threaten the admitted Christian with the consequences in this world of being identified as a Christian? And was he not preparing us all for the chance there to confess boldly? Was he not preparing them and us all for, for our dark Gethsemanes? When we would see the truth of Christ so often betrayed by the kiss of a friend, bound and arrested and sold away, was he not preparing us for those Gethsemanes when we'd have the chance not to run away into the shadows, but to stand and declare, yes, I'm one of his, do with me what you will. Was he not preparing us? Truth is, we often flee into the shadows of Gethsemane like they did. Truth is, we lose courage around the campfires like Peter did. But the truth is that because of Christ, even that's forgiven. And remember whose words and deeds forgave Peter's weak confession, yours and mine. Remember whose words revive a robust spirit to confess him despite the consequences. Remember whose words restored Peter and compelled him, indeed enabled him, to confess the truth of Jesus Christ while dying upside down upon his cross. The consequences of his confession. Lord, to whom else shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. God keep us in them. In his name, amen.
To whom but you, O Lord, would we go? You have the words of eternal life, life in your Son, Jesus Christ, through whom you've promised to hear and to answer the prayers and the petitions of your assembled people. So, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For all you choose to be pastors of your church, that they would be properly trained, properly prepared and called to serve congregations eager to hear your word and to receive your sacraments, which will enable them to confess Christ boldly before the world. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For the nations of the world and those who lead them, that basic human rights would be recognized by all, that order would be maintained in our communities, that homes would be safe and families strong, where children are taught by responsible parents to be responsible adults, in countries dedicated to the preservation of all life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For those financially stressed due to the economic difficulties of our times, that their confidence in your compassion will not waver, but rather that they will daily commend themselves to your good care and keeping, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For all who are weighed down by the burdens of aging, that they may be valued, respected, protected, and aided by society. For the sick, that they may be healed or delivered from their afflictions. For those preparing to undergo cancer treatments, especially our sister in Christ, Michelle Senzig. For those preparing to undergo surgery this week, especially our brothers in Christ, August Senzig and Gary Bell. Bless those through the medical care and medications they receive and grant them healing and health according to your will, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For the lonely and for those forsaken by family and friends because of their commitment to the faith that they may be encouraged by the fellowship of the faithful, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For the dying, that they would look in faith to your Son who conquered death and will say to all of who you draw unto yourself, Come, ye blessed of my Father, Inherit the kingdom prepared for you, Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. For those celebrating birthdays and anniversaries and other occasions which give us cause to rejoice, we thank you, and we ask you to receive their and our prayers and praises, Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. For all of Christ to whom you come today in the sacrament of the altar, that we may believe your words, this is my body, this is my blood, and receive all that you here give us for the forgiveness of our sins and the strengthening of our faith. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For all your saints, O Lord, who having confessed you before the world, 
Now rest from their labors. We give you our thanks and our praise, and we ask you to keep us in the communion of your church until your Son delivers us from this life into that which is to come. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. truly good, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who on this day overcame death and the grave, and by his glorious resurrection opened unto us the way of everlasting life. Therefore, with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying, sent your only begotten Son into our flesh to bear our sin and be our Savior. With repentant joy, we receive the salvation accomplished for us by the all-availing sacrifice of his body and his blood upon the cross. Gathered in the name and the remembrance of Jesus, we beg you, O Lord, to forgive, renew, and strengthen us with your word and spirit. Grant us faithfully to eat his body and drink his blood, as he bids us do in his own testament. Gather us together, we pray, from the ends of the earth to celebrate with all the faithful the marriage feast of the Lamb in his kingdom, which has no end. Graciously receive our prayers, deliver and preserve us. To you alone, O Father, be all glory, honor, and worship with the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, 
And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
sent your only begotten Son into the flesh, we thank you that for his sake you've given us pardon and peace in the sacrament. And we ask you not to forsake your children, but always to rule our hearts and minds by your Holy Spirit, that we may be enabled constantly to serve you. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. Receive the benediction of the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen.